Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM Progress. Welcome to it. We are coming at you live and interactive for the next three hours. Guys, you're, you're making it through the week. We're, we're there. We just had the Ides of March. We're, we're already, already halfway done with this thing. And today in New York City, well, it was the first day that felt like spring in quite a long time. I'm really happy to be joined by my producer, Thea Harper. I hope Thea also agrees it felt like it was literally spring or maybe the possibility that spring might still exist. We're going to be joined by some of our favorite. We got some good guests tonight. Oh, my God. Uh, Professor Corey Brechneider will be here very shortly. We have a lot to talk about in our segment, Barely Legal with Corey Brechneider. That's what I'm calling it. He doesn't know that because he's an Ivy League political science professor, but that's what we call it. But uh, we're going to talk with him about what's going on with New York DA Alvin Bragg and the former president and um, that handpicked judge. They went shopping for in Amarillo, Texas, trying to get rid of the FDA-approved abortion pill. We're going to talk to Dr. Jason Nichols about uh, Silicon Valley Bank and what's going on there. A good friend, Kevin Bartini. And I'm doing a big show with him this weekend in the Berkshires, which is in Massachusetts, by the way, not New York State. Did you know that? So I'll be up there Saturday night. It's going to be a blast. And uh, I can't wait. If you've never seen Kevin, he's really funny. If you've never seen me, I'm punctual and I mean well. So I hope you guys can come down. Um, this is going to be a, a really fun show. You can get all the information on my Twitter or uh, on, on my Facebook or any of that stuff we have out there. Chris Hauselt, are you there? Can you hear me? Chris, yeah, my boss. Yeah, what's up? Why? So today I went, I went to the Howard Stern Tower. You know, I went there today. I, I do the show from home now because there's a pandemic going on. But uh, Thea and I are there Monday nights and there's nobody there. But every now and then I sneak in in the daytime. I was there for Ernie Hudson last week. And you know who I saw today? Uh, well, who? I saw our favorite Mandalorian today. I saw Katie Sackoff, star of The Mandalorian. Star of uh, Battlestar Galactica, star of a whole lot of stuff, played herself on Big Bang Theory. And we had a really, really fun interview. I'm really excited. Anytime we get a, a Star Wars actor, it's always really fun. But she's, I, I think, the first actor we've had from The Mandalorian to come on the show. We've had Bryce Dallas Howard, who directed for it, but it was really, really fun. And she's super cool. And uh, so we're keeping the celebrities coming, man. Just letting, letting you know. That's awesome. That is, I mean, the, I don't know if our audience watches the show with this, the fervor that you and I do, but this past episode, I loved it so much. It was really unexpected. This was not one for the, I did not let my kid watch this one. It wasn't one for kids. They went really dark. Uh, Yeah, sure did. Um, it was the Andor episode of Mandalorian, everybody said. The Andorian. The, the Mandal Mandorian, yes. 
So I, I love her. I think she's great. And uh, and she's a terrific actor. I love to run Battlestar Galactica. But we talked a lot about, you know, how she got into acting and how when she was doing Battlestar Galactica, she had no training at all. And one day, Edward James almost like pulled her aside and read her the riot act about how she acted on set. And she wound up being so ashamed that she became a really good actor and then had thyroid cancer at a very young age. And she's had a really, really intense life. So it's a lot, a lot of fun. You're going to love it. By the way, everybody, Chris already knew that I did that interview today. I'm just saying that to rub it in his face that I got to hang out with Katie Sackhoff at the studio. Star of Longmire. Today. Star of Longmire. Yeah. That's star of a lot of things. Star of, star of season eight of 24. But she'll always be royalty to me. <laughs> uh, if you're not watching The Mandalorian, it's a really good show. And Katie Sackhoff, who appeared in season two, has a really big and pivotal part in season three. And the new episode is already very controversial. And I'm done being a geek now. Let's move on. It's time to play The Week in Hate. Let's do it. Uh, a lot of hate. It's always there. It's always popping up. It's always mutating and assuming new forms. For me, how does hate reveal itself in interesting or funny ways? I, I got a few that are really bothering me, and I want to ask you guys about it. First off, we've already talked about these right-wing trolls who are claiming that Silicon Valley Bank somehow collapsed because of wokeness. It's deeply stupid, uh, morally and intellectually. Uh, the whole argument Ron DeSantis and the others have made is that uh, the bank was too concerned with not being racist. If only they'd been more racist, everything would have been fine. But the New York Times had a story today that shows the forms racism takes here where we drift one-fifth of the way through the 21st century. An article in the Times called Florida Scoured Math Textbooks for Prohibited Topics. Up next, social studies. The Times says, in a sign of how fraught the political landscape has become, one publisher created multiple versions of its social studies material, softening or eliminating references to race, even in the story of Rosa Parks, as it sought to gain approval in Florida. Yeah. The story of Rosa Parks, without any of that unpleasant racism that might make white children of racists feel uncomfortable in the state of Florida, because that's what the Stop Woke Law is. It's the white racist fragility law. And anything you tell a young child that might make them feel bad about what white people once did years ago, well, you can be sued for it. I mean... <laughs> this is this this company is whitewashing the story of Rosa Parks to remove any mention of race and they're doing it to try to curry favor with the governor and now Rosa Parks of course was famously asked to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery Alabama because of her race thanks to the segregation laws of the time now Rosa Parks refused and she became a real celebrity in the civil rights movement and was honored the rest of her life. And now Cast wrote a song about her. And Donald Trump was photographed once with her at an event and claims that means he's not racist. Rosa Parks had an amazing life. We don't teach the truth about Rosa Parks. I was taught Rosa Parks was this tired lady who'd been working all day and she just had enough and finally said to the bus driver, I'm too tired. I'm not getting up. The reality is much more complicated and much more heroic. She was an activist. She knew Dr. King. She boarded that bus knowing that that day was going to be her day. She is a hero. And in the new version of a textbook created by Studies Weekly, which is a textbook company that caters to mostly younger students, all mentions of race have been removed. All mentions of segregation have been removed. The textbook says she was told to move to a different seat. That's it. 
And this is uncovered in the New York Times as part of their investigation into the results of the anti-woke education laws being pushed by Ron DeSantis and his conservative winged monkeys in Florida. Another textbook was rewritten to include a passage on slavery that removed any mention of race. All it said was that it was illegal for men of certain groups to be unemployed. (laughs) This is how they do it. They're trying to rewrite history. They're trying to erase black history, which is to say they're trying to erase American history. Now, when you want to tear down a memorial to a Confederate general who took up arms against the U.S. and fought for white supremacy and fought for the culture of rape, murder, and mutilation and kidnapping and torture that was the Confederacy, that's not erasing history. That's choosing not to celebrate douchebags. That's choosing not to celebrate white supremacists. That's choosing to not ask black children to walk past statues celebrating men who killed Americans so those black children would be born a white man's property. Not erasing history. You can still read about it. But they're trying to soft soap segregation right now in Florida. Meanwhile, also in Florida, here's a really funny story, uh, a very different kind of story. So (sighs) Sheriff Mike Chitwood. He's the sheriff of Volusia County, and I know Volusia County, spent a lot of time there. I love Florida. He was speaking out about a neo-Nazi group that had targeted his community, a group calling itself the Goyam Defense League, and that they were responsible for a lot of hateful incidents. They had anti-Semitic leaflets. They declared a national day of hate. And the sheriff in Florida uh, came out and called them cowards and punks. And because he did that, he was personally targeted. Yeah, I'm defending a cop here. Sheriff Mike Chitwood was harassed. His parents were swatted. His daughter was harassed on the phone. And they went after him in the chat rooms. And someone joined a chat on 4chan and recommended murder against this sheriff. The person wrote on 4chan, just shoot Chitwood in the head and he stops being a problem. They have to find a new guy to be the problem. Again, this is a right-wing guy talking about murdering a cop because the cop came out against anti-Semitism. The person went on to say in 4chan, shooting Chitwood in the head solves the immediate problem permanently. Just shoot Chitwood in the head. Murder him. (laughs) Here's the thing, folks. The internet is forever, and this is the week in hate. So the Central Florida Intelligence Exchange flagged these comments online. They were anonymous, but they investigated 4chan. And they found out the man who did it was named Richard Golden of Monmouth Junction, New Jersey. He was the one who called for the murder of a cop. And again, all the cop did was come out against anti-Jewish hate. They found that this guy, Richard Golden, he's single ladies, anti-government, anti-law enforcement. And Sheriff Chitwood said, like every other active shooter we come across in a marginalized member of society who spends hours and hours in these extremist chat rooms. He lives with his mother. He's 38, and last week they arrested him in his pajamas. He was charged with making a threat to kill a Florida sheriff. (laughs) Sheriff Chitwood said, I cannot wait to meet him when he gets off the plane. And there's video. It's actually hilarious if you want to see a Jew hater in all of his glory. The video shows that the cops knock on his door and his mother answers because he's 38 and lives in his mom's house. And that's that's no sin. We all fall upon hard times. But when you're, you know, being an anti-Semitic bigot, online, we're going to make fun of you for it. And the guy comes down and he asks the cops if he can get his shoes before he goes away. And the cops follow him to his room 
and the mother's apologizing for how disgusting his room is. And the cop says, it's okay. And the mother goes, no, it's not okay. Anyway, uh, Mr. Golden is unemployed. Spoiler alert. He admitted to the police he made the comments at 4chan. He has been extradited to Volusia County, Florida, where his bond will be set at $100,000. The weekend hate, but one more. Turns out one in five Americans now support a national divorce. Yeah, one in five. That means, according to idiots, that Republican and Democratic-leaning states would split into separate countries. If you ever look at a map, an electoral map of this country, you will see that we are not red and we are not blue. We are purple. It's never going to happen. 20%, 20% of the population. Now, you could look at that and say, well, that's that's nothing. 20%, it's not going to move the needle. There's always one-fifth of us are racist idiots. I can handle that. But one-fifth of us being racist idiots are also 66 million people. That's equivalent to everyone in Texas, Wyoming, West Virginia, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Idaho, Arkansas, Kentucky, South Dakota, Alabama, Georgia, and Nebraska combined. 66 million people is larger than the populations of most countries in the world. Congratulations, Marjorie Taylor Greene. (laughs) And by the way, the support for this, it was mainly among Americans whose primary source for news is Fox News or another conservative outlet, uh, higher among Republicans than independents or Democrats. I know. Shocking, isn't it? And finally, uh, one last thing in hate, and this one might seem kind of silly to you, but can we talk about how many people were left out of the Oscars in memoriam segment this week? I'm sorry. We've hinted at this over the week, but I I finally sat down and read all the names because I was watching it and I was looking for Gilbert and I was looking for Anne Heche because she's been on our show many times. I was looking for people I've met. So many. Paul Sorvino. I mean, literally a legendary character actor, a star of Goodfellas, died last July. They couldn't include him. They didn't include Paul Sorvino or Gilbert Gottfried or Tom Sizemore, Leslie Jordan, Lisa Marie Presley, Anne Heche, Philip Baker Hall, Robert Blake. I guess not that surprising. Topol was a nominated and he was nominated for an Oscar for Fiddler on the Roof. Robert Morse, Fred Ward. How do you how? No way. You, you, they did not mention Fred Ward in their Oscar in memoriam tribute. Henry Silva, great character actor. Melinda Dillon, she, was, she had two Oscar nominations. She was the mom in Close Encounters. Didn't mention her. Tony Sirico, I know. He played Pauly Walnuts on a TV show on Sopranos, but he was in a lot of movies. He was in like 20 Woody Allen movies. Um, Stella Stevens, Cindy Williams. I mean, not just Laverne and Shirley. She was in American Graffiti. She was in The Conversation. And Hugh Hudson who directed Chariots of Fire, which won the Oscar for Best Picture 40 years ago. None of these people were mentioned. I, 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 what did they have to do? It's a three-hour show, for God's sakes. The Academy spokesperson said the selection committee features a representative from each of the organization's 17 branches, and some names that are more familiar to audiences cannot be included because all blah, 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 blah. I mean, come on now. Seriously. Jean-Luc Godard got mentioned. Now we finally know what Jean-Luc Godard has to do to be mentioned in the Oscars. Too much hate. We want to know what you guys think. Let's say hello to Teresa in Washington State. Hi, Teresa. Hi, John. I have three movie recommendations for you. One is The Field about Ireland. With Richard Harris. With Richard Harris. 1990 Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. Oh, God, you know it. You know everything about these things. No, it's a good movie. I like good Irish films. It's a good film. What else you got? Yeah. The second is The Incredible Journey of Mary Bryant about uh, Irish slavery. Oh, and I don't know that one. Third, okay. 
it's a, on YouTube for free. And then the third is the Armistat, about the same time, about a black slave ship that uh, throws the captains overboard. And, yes. and the, they they take it to the Supreme Court. Morgan Freeman is in it. He's yeah, I think great. you're talking about a Steven, a Steven Spielberg film called Amistad from 1997, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins got an Oscar nomination for that film for playing uh, John Quincy Adams. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in there. But I never then, saw The Incredible Journey of Mary Bryant. Oh, it's it's like, wow. Oh, it's a TV series. It's a miniseries. It's not a theatrical feature. It's a TV miniseries. No, it's a movie. It's a movie on YouTube. Oh, okay. I, I, I came up with a miniseries, but I'll check it out. Okay, so in, 19, in 1649, Cromwell invaded Ireland and uh, took 50,000 POWs in chains to the U.S. colonies and sold them as slaves. So white people were also being brought to the colonies and sold as slaves. That's right. And then, and then Cromwell took all the Catholic land in Ireland and gave it to the British settlers, and they starved the Irish. So the That's Irish right. went to went to Scotland and had to steal food to eat. That's and right. And then they the the British enacted the Transportation Act. And this is Preach. kind of a misnomer because, like, it's a sense of humor, right? Dark humor. And and then people that were uh, arrested for, like, stealing an apple would get transportation to the colonies, to United States and Barbados, and, until uh, yes. the revolution. And then they started sending them to uh, Australia. Can I ask a question? The, the the journey of, and I love everything you're saying, and by the way, there was no famine, the British caused it all, but yes. the, the incredible journey of Mary Bryant, that's not slavery in America. She was sent to Botany Bay in Australia, right? In the penal Bot- colony. Yes, exactly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because after the Revolutionary War, we didn't want any more slaves. Mm. Well, they still accepted black slaves until 1808, and that's when the Armistad comes in. Armistad, yeah. Yeah, I think the armistatus, I think I, I adjust the temperature in my apartment, but the armistat I, I know very well. Yeah. Teresa, thank you for the recommendations. I saw two out of three. What do I win? Uh, a question for you. Oh, no, come okay, on. I've heard you say that you want reparations for uh, descendants of slaves. Does that also include the Irish descendants of slaves? Um, if, if, if someone was a, I've said, I, I support reparations for the descendants of American slaves and for the descendants of, uh, of first nations, indigenous people. Um, so yeah, if you can prove, if you can prove that you are the descendant of someone who, of, of, of someone who was enslaved, not indentured servitude to pay off a debt, but slavery. Yeah. But you know, they when we talk about slavery, slavery, most of us aren't thinking about the white people, but, um, that, that they deserve to be remembered and they deserve to be discussed. Okay, are you also going to make black people prove that they were descendants? Because there's a lot of black people in America that were not descendants of slaves. But I think you'd have to know it. I I think I think you'd have to. Yeah, I think you'd have to do. uh, What we're going to do is have Henry Louis Gates go to everyone's house and he will give them all uh, a a, a blood screening (laughs) and he will have his crack team research all of their ancestors. And it'll all be on TV. Every American. He's going to be very busy for a while. But yes, I guess. Well, I heard on the news that some city wants to give every black male $5 million for for reparations, but not the women. I'm like, what? You'll have to get back to me on that. I haven't heard that story. I think you got that that misconstrued. Thanks. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Teresa. There we go. That's okay. She she believes it. That's all about. 
This is America, and that's all that matters. But she is talking about San Francisco, where slavery was rife. Well, what do you think about that? A lot of right-wing people are very angry about it. But it's every, but it's it's five million. But it's to every eligible black adult. I didn't hear anything about just the men. Yeah, I mean, elimination of personal debt, guaranteed annual incomes of at least ninety-seven thousand dollars for two hundred fifty years, and homes in San Francisco for what just one dollar a family. I mean, you know what? It is four hundred years of injustice we're talking about. So I support having reparations, but only for four hundred years. All right, let me go back to the phone and say hello to Dave, also in Washington State. Hi, Dave. Hey, John, I just have a quick one. I, I just needed to comment on the actor uh, Katie Sackhoff. Look, yeah, please. I'm a, I'm a BSG purist. I mean, wow, big surprise, right? <laughs> like Battlestar Galactic. He's talking about Battlestar Galactica for the uninitiated. That's what he means by BSG. Go on, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have a sci-fi addiction. All right, we already talked about that. But Katie Sackhoff played the role of Starbuck. Well, I don't know if you saw yes. the original. That was yes. played by Dirk Benedict. Dirk Benedict, yes. He, yeah, he was uh, Starbuck. The character was the consummate man's man, right? He was a gambler, a rogue, right. a scoundrel. Yeah, but he was That's a badass. Right. Yes, so he was when, so badass. He I, got to be in the A team. So, <laughs> you know, um, when I heard that a female was playing that role, I was like, nah. I mean, it's sexist. I admit it. But I was like, nah, I ain't gonna work. They're gonna they're gonna mess this up. So, um, you know, I Cut was. Too. Uh, by about season four, I really had to look in the mirror and say, you know, Dave, you weren't only wrong, you were effing wrong. Season I four, mean, Katie, episode one, episode one of season one, you knew she was great. Making Starbuck a female character was the smartest thing that series did. But, but not only did she pull off the um, you know, badass part, you know, Starbuck ended up being, the character ended up being like a... Um, you know, some sort of ethereal. I mean, we weren't. Yeah, even Starbuck sure wound up being Starbuck. If, if Starbuck was a human or not, you know. Right by the end, and, by the end, Starbuck has assumed some kind of divinity. Starbuck is like Gandalf the White by the end of that show, and they never totally explained it. But, but the, the way she did such a great job. I mean, the complexity yes. of that role. Oh, yes. I mean, my oh, gosh, God. man. Yes. Well, it, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean the uh, that uh, extended all along the watchtower uh, montage? Didn't that was silly for you. I will always say though, all along the watch, and I love that song, and I love hearing Bob Dylan in oh, sci-fi. What? But that was still that was still weird. Yes, it's code, man. Well, and and, and frankly, uh, on the religion thing, because I know, um, well, just you know, apparently he was influenced. They were influenced a lot by this belief that. Um, you know, uh, it's happened before, and it will happen again. Like, time right, I get it. eternally. Yeah. And, I mean, but the the whole thing was, um, like I said, it's just complicated. And, and Katie Sackhoff <laughs> did a gr- an awesome, awesome She's a job, terrific actor. And do you do you watch The Mandalorian, my sci-fi loving friend? Uh, come on, we've been through that. My wife won't Disney. let me pay for it. Oh, anything. that's right. I'm sorry. I talked to a lot of guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, well I, I, you guys are doing Picard well, season she's three killing me yesterday with that. She's excellent on on the show, and uh, so yeah. I, I I hope you get to watch it at some point because it's. She said she said what Chris and I have said that you don't have to like Star Wars to like The Mandalorian. I swear to God, it's true. Woody Allen could watch The Mandalorian. Seriously, yeah, yeah. My mom and, could watch uh, it. 
Well, and last night you guys were getting me all pumped up about Picard season three, but there again, there's something I can't. I gotta wait till it's free. That's the only way. My I know the feeling. I know. Listen, I never thought I'd watch it, but then we we had a we had one of the stars of that Harrison Ford Helen Mirren show on um, 1923, which is very good, and that's on Paramount. And I couldn't get the screeners for the whole show, so I was like, let's just let's just get Paramount Plus for like a week and then cancel it. So I can be so I can know how the series ends. And then we, we were like, well, let's let's watch the first episode of Picard. And now my wife won't get rid of it because she's into Picard now. So that's where I am. But as soon as I'm done, I'm dropping it. <laughs> that's all I got, John. Have a good one. Thanks, Dave. I like that we can balance politics and hate uh, with pop culture minutia. If you guys are on hold, I thank you very much. We're going to get to all your calls. So don't go away. Quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Professor Corey Brettschneider. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Happy birthday to the Army Corps of Engineers, established on this date in 1802 to found and operate the U.S. Military Academy at West Point which I understand is woke now, so it's all over. Happy anniversary to uh, Mississippi, which formally ratified the 13th Amendment. They became the last state to approve of the abolition of slavery. When did they do it? Well, uh, the 13th Amendment was officially ratified in 1865. Mississippi finally got around to ratifying it on this date in 1995. You go, Mississippi. With that kind of record, you'll be up to number 48th in education in no time. Right now, please, people, put your hands together for Professor Corey Brettschneider, the man who enriches the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown University. You may have read his stuff about politics in the New York Times and Time Magazine, Politico. You should own his book, The Oath in the Office, a guide to the Constitution for future presidents at your favorite bookstore. And while you're at it, If you're going to be in a bookstore, pick up his Penguin Liberty series books on free speech, impeachment, and the cases of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who would have been 90 yesterday. Professor Brett Schneider, welcome back. It's good to have you. Thanks, John. Uh, Good to talk to you. And I also ordered Paramount Plus two days ago to watch the end of that spy series. Uh, Which spy series? Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's sort of like an easier-to-follow version of Tinker Taylor soldier spy on paramount plus oh very cool okay yeah cool (laughs) i i did a uh 
I, I had a joke about that, but I couldn't think of what it was. <laughs> First, I'll, I'll give you my Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy joke by the end. Check out the check out the Harrison <laughs> Ford show, nineteen twenty. Still can't follow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, check out nineteen twenty three. It's really really good. Uh, or check out Picard and, and make fun of that last guy with me. <laughs> but it's 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 great to have you. So let me let me ask you something. It's been a crazy week and. <sighs> We've been talking a bit about what's going on in Amarillo, Texas. I'd like to begin there, if you don't mind, Professor, because this anti-abortion group went judge shopping for a long time to try to find a Trumpy judge. They finally saw Amarillo, Texas had one federal judge. He was an anti-abortion activist who Donald Trump transitioned into a judge. And now this judge, we've been talking about this story all week. I've been dying to talk about it with you. He's threatening to make a a really unprecedented decision, and I don't use that word lightly, getting rid of the most popular abortion pill, the pill that's used for the majority of abortions in this country. It's no longer surgical. It's this, it's this medication. And he's trying to say the FDA had no business approving this drug, which has been right. used successfully for 22 years. Right. Right. I mean, you know, there's no legal basis for what he seems to want to do, and he's just searching in vain for something connected to law, I guess would be a way to put it. And there are two arguments that he could rely on that the council uh, brought up. One is the idea that the FDA somehow messed up and that the facts that were given, the safety standards, uh, were poorly done. Now, when he was, when you know, you, you look into the question of like, has that ever happened? that a judge has gone back and second-guessed the FDA in this way. Judges, of course, are not scientists or doctors. Uh, oh, they're they not? Really? Know. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so so that one just seemed bizarre to me and, and embarrassing. I think the other thing he's trying to do is to look to the Dobbs opinion, of course, reversing Roe versus Wade, and find some strength in that. And the, the lawyer uh, in the case uh did make the argument that that Dobbs is a different universe, and he seemed, according to some reported reporting, interested in that. Now, there's nothing in Dobbs that would suggest that the abortion pill is in any way illegal, or or that the validity of the FDA approval of it is is mm. invalid somehow. Nothing but in I Dobbs, but a, the the, a, the, author, the the ones who wrote it, the ones who wrote it, are the ones right. I worry about. But I'm sorry, Professor, go ahead. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that there is, you know, in a twisted way, the, the case doesn't have anything to do with FDA approval of the abortion pill. But as I've been arguing, what's the deep agenda behind Alito and Gorsuch? And, and that's inherent in, if you read closely in the opinion, it's the idea that the fetus is a protected person. And I think what this judge is really trying to do is figure out how to get there. What's the way to really nationalize the idea, not just that there is no right to an abortion, but that there's a right of the fetus to life. And that's the real agenda here. And and the rest of the arguments, I think, are irrelevant. But when you see that that's the ultimate goal of, of many on the right, I think, at this point, uh, you know, it becomes pretty scary because uh, this might not be the best case to get there. But I think that's the goal that's being revealed. That's why we're even talking about this. I mean, before Trump picked this fellow, Mr. Kazmarek, to be a judge... He represented this conservative right-wing Christian group called First Liberty Institute, which was attacking the Affordable Care Act that required employers to cover birth control for their workers. Birth control like abortion, something the Bible never gets around to actually prohibiting. Corey, medication abortion is legal in 22 states. 
plus Washington, D.C. In 15 states, it has to be prescribed by a doctor, not other clinicians. I, I want to ask you about a framing device. You're right that you're hearing people on the right say, well, we're, we're trying to argue that the fetus has a right to life um, and has all the rights of a, of a fully formed human who's been born. Mm -hmm. um, is it time for us to start making the argument or at least asking the question, do American women have a right to not be pregnant? I've been I've been turning over this logic in my mind for the last two weeks that what we're really asking is, do women who have a right to not be pregnant in this country or are there conditions right. and women must be pregnant if they're already pregnant? Is that yeah. a sort of thinking that might have it might be of use in any way? Because more and more I'm framing it this way. I think that's a great way to frame it. And, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think her preferred way to have protected abortion would have been precisely on those lines to argue that the fetus is not a constitutional person, but women are, and they have equal protection rights. And that includes uh, the right to not be pulled into to a kind of servitude if you, if you don't want to be pregnant. And in the same way that forced pregnancy would certainly be a violation of women's rights, uh, you know, the right to an abortion is part of that, too. And once you start hearing the arguments for constitutionalizing the fetus's life over the life of the woman, we're going to talk about another case that really does center on that, the North Dakota case, uh, you start to see, I think, that the, the logic of equality is really what's missing here. And the court's jurisprudence, when it defended the right to abortion and Roe versus Wade and Casey, uh, focused on the privacy aspect. That's important, but I think the more fundamental argument is women's equality. And part of that is also simply not being subordinated, not being turned into an enslaved person. And yeah. and that seems to be the theme of a lot of um, the Christian right in this country. Whew. I mean, you know, this drug was approved in 2000. It has a 0.4% risk of major complications. They're saying that aspirin is more dangerous than this. But my, <laughs> my concern is it doesn't matter what the Constitution says anymore, right. because... There's a very good chance this could make it all the way to the Supreme Court where six ringers are waiting to say, we agree, we are the law. It's certainly what's going on with this lower court judge. There's no legal rationale for this apart from the goal, I think, of trying to get to a constitutional right of the fetus to life. Now, I, I think that it's a stupid way to go about it. There are other cases that would be a better way. Um, one, one strategy that's, I think, probably more effective, although in some ways more dangerous, is the strategy to make double murder, for instance, for for women and, and the fetus, to make mm -hmm. that a double murder. There are all these sort of ways at the goal. And a pretend argument about the abortion pill, I think, is not the way. So that would be my one thought here, that if it does make it to the Supreme Court, if he issues the injunction and it's upheld by the circuit court, I don't see the Supreme Court going along with it because they're playing a long game here, and, and this is sort of a stupid way to get there. Maybe, but, you know, I think it really shows once and for all that it was a lie when our conservative friends were saying for years, they don't want to ban it nationally. They just want it to go to the states. I mean, Absolutely. they are trying to ban women in all 50 states from having access to mephisoprone. Absolutely. And, you know, when Gorsuch was nominated, I wrote that piece that we've talked about, and uh, you know, tried to publicize what he said in his dissertation and elsewhere, which really, to me, made clear that his ultimate goal was the idea of the fetus as a constitutional person. And he partly uh, did that through the circuitous route of talking about the right to die and how the right to die really undermined the right of 
people who were incapable of defending themselves. And, and when you read the footnotes, especially, he makes it clear that that's an idea he wants to extend to the fetus. And his mentor, John Finnis at Oxford, is the only Supreme Court justice with a Ph.D., uh, makes that argument explicitly. It's one of the main pieces of his life's work. And I think that's unfortunately where we're headed. And anybody who was talking about states' rights uh, was really not seeing what was happening. Now, the Dobbs opinion, I think, too, just, you know, it's a lot of it is about the idea of the fetus as a person and the yeah. history of that. And it's just laying the groundwork for where some of these justices ultimately want to go. Uh, you know, and you have smarter versions of it and, and less smart. And, and this this judge is both completely disingenuous and revealing at the same time that uh, there is a, a political goal to, to, to get to this point no matter what. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, by the way, Professor, imagining that you made air quotes with your fingers when you said this judge. In, yeah. in the midst of all of this, though, we, we see today North Dakota's Supreme Court is upholding the lower court's decision to block a ban on abortions in North Dakota. And it said the state constitution yeah. protects abortion rights in some situations, which means it, well, it, it seems like the procedure will still be legal until almost 22 weeks. I went, you know, I read the reports in NBC and then I got really interested in it. So I read the opinion itself. I'm not, first of all, it's a good development. You know, I wouldn't have had that on my bingo card that the Supreme Court of the state of North Dakota was going to protect the right to an abortion in any way and limit the power mm-hmm. of state legislatures. But it looks like they are certainly headed that way. Uh, but I don't want to get too excited. I mean, the right to abortion should be uh, a right that extends, period, to a woman's right to, to terminate a pregnancy, certainly in the first trimester. But when I read this closely, it really looks like they're focused on the idea of outlawing um, or making unconstitutional under the state constitution laws that wouldn't allow the women's health to be a factor in whether or not a doctor performed an abortion. I think that's the egregiousness that they're really focused on trying to correct. Will they go further than that? I'm not not sure. Now that's something, but, you know, that's well short of the kind of right to an abortion that, that we need protected in this country. Right. It's going to be interesting seeing how this shakes out, because it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that women in the state of North Dakota can can breathe just yet. But right. Or men in North Dakota can breathe because this issue right. affects men as well. And, uh, you know, Corey, I'm really waiting to hear more men come out for abortion rights. I think we need it. Yeah. And I yeah. thank you well, for doing it. it. I mean, it's an equality issue. I think if you want to live in a, and it's a democracy issue and, yeah. um, you know, of course, it affects women and the more direct way. And girls, of course, we should add, who are uh, far from the age of consent or, or 18, part of the heinousness of uh, outlawing this uh, this medical choice and procedure. But it isn't just about freedom, and it isn't just about uh, the welfare of, of individual girls or women. It's about whether you want to live in a democracy that really takes yeah. seriously the idea of equality under law. Yeah, uh, it's a good point. The, we're headed away from it. The overwhelming majority of Americans support women's reproductive freedoms. It's not controversial mm. in that sense. Seventy seven percent of us. Mm. Um, let, let me shift just a bit back closer to, to home, if I could, Professor, because mm. we're hearing a lot about uh, an, in, uh, an indictment being imminent for the former host of Celebrity Apprentice here in New York, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, who didn't really want to be bothered before, seems to be bothered now. And um, Stormy Daniels uh, testified again. Michael Cohen is going to testify again. And today, Maggie Haberman writes, as former President 
Trump faces likely criminal charges, his campaign is preparing to wage a political war. And I'm sure she's right, because I'm sure Donald Trump leaked those exact words to her earlier this morning. But what is Alvin Bragg staring down the barrel of exactly? They're going to declare war on him any way they can. Uh, That's right. They're going to make a national campaign to try to humiliate this prosecutor for really doing his job. And really not just the Alvin Bragg is at the top of the list, but he has staffers who, of course, have been pushing very hard to do this and sending the message inside the office that if you don't do it, it's not taking seriously the idea of equal justice under law, that the, the former president, like any citizen, if he commits a crime and there's there's cause to, to prosecute it, uh, you know, should be treated like everyone else. Now, that's not, of course, how Trump's going to see it. I think this Haberman article is a last-ditch attempt of the president to scare Bragg into into not doing it and to let him know yeah, the shitstorm that's, that's coming uh, for him and, you know, unfortunately, the death threats and the other yep. stormtroopers that, that Trump will call into action. And, you know, it's too late. Basically, the wheels of justice are in motion. And don't leave out the racism, Corey. Don't leave out the fact that Letitia James and Alvin Bragg uh, and Fonnie Willis all uh, are as dark naturally as Trump spray tans himself to appear falsely. Uh, He's already linked all of them and tried to make it a racial thing just because they all coincidentally happen to be black people, a group that does not, not like Donald Trump for very good reason. Right. And, you know, I think his white supremacy will shine through. Uh, in, a, in an extremely clear way. He doesn't like the idea of uh, a, a black person putting themselves above him and, you know, in his mind and seeking that prosecution. But, you know, it's the first time in history that we'll have a former president indicted. It's, I think, going to happen within a short period of time. And uh, I think we we just need that for the country. The idea that Nixon got away with it, that he wasn't yeah, held to account, that we didn't see the evidence of his crimes uh we really will see it in this case and you know but we'll is this the a, case professor is, the, is this is, is this the case i'm so sorry is this the case that yeah. history demands i mean this five-year-old <laughs> case after all of this criminality yeah. and venality and lies and corruption this is it i mean it's not quite up to the level of uh, al capone not paying his taxes this no. is something that was already no. an old story years ago and donald trump is out there making the rounds his argument seems to be that he paid this woman to say they never had sex and they never had sex. Um, but none of that matters. What matters is his name is on the check and he said it wasn't. He spent this money to try to win an election. Right. And the felony here, I mean, I, I think we, we started on this last time, but I'll just clarify it. The, the felony and the reason it is a bigger deal than it might seem. And of course, this Trump's team will try to minimize it as much as possible. But is that there was a fraud uh, in in really an attempt to subvert uh, deeper laws. Now, one of the laws that they could have turned to was federal campaign finance laws, that, that there was a sort of attempt to hide the fact that he was breaking campaign finance laws by using uh, this surreptitious payment to, and mm-hmm. hiding it from the required reporting. But there also are state laws, and the reporting now is suggesting that it's not going to be federal law that's relevant, but state campaign finance laws in the time to subvert them, which are very similar. Uh, so that's the idea that, you know, he ran for president, and yet he was playing this bribery game under the table in violation of, of campaign finance laws. And it wasn't, you know, a mistake. It was done intentionally. And the fact that they have Michael Cohen is going to explain that. Uh, sometimes cases are about how bad the thing is that you did, but it's also 
often about what you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And it sounds like this is something that uh, they just have him dead to rights because of. Yeah, but I'm still nervous. I'm still nervous, Professor. I think he's Trump is going to take this indictment and run on it. Literally, he's going to use this indictment to sell to his followers what they want to hear. Victimhood and revenge. He's going to use this indictment to beat up Ron DeSantis, and he's going to do everything he can to tie Joe Biden to the Manhattan DA and try to say this is an example of the deep state coming to get him. And if the government's star witness is Michael Cohen, am I allowed to be a little bit worried about this, Professor? (laughs) Uh, Yes, of course. And my hope, I'll tell you my optimism, I'm always optimistic about this, is that, uh, you know, it won't be the only prosecution. If it was this plus Georgia plus the federal case against him for January 6th, then that's three cases running at the same time. The American people, I think, might not get a sense of how venal, his supporters anyway, won't get a sense of how venal he is from one prosecution, but maybe three. Well, it won't get the supporters. The key is to get the you know, the Republicans who think he's not that bad, who have tolerated mm. him for all those years, and to get them to see, you know, we had a criminal in the White House, and uh, yeah. it's time to push that aside. One prosecution, I do worry that that might not be enough. It looks too local. Three, right. I think, starts to send a message that this is somebody who's not a one-time offender. He's a repeat mm. offender. And uh, yes, we're, you know, New York might have him on this one kind of weird, seemingly, you know, minor case. But when you combine it with the others, uh, there's one theme here, and that's the disregard for the democratic mm. laws that, that form the basis of our elections. And this uh, guy is, he subverted uh, them here. He subverted it in January 6th, and he certainly subverted it in that heinous uh, yep. Georgia case, which yep. uh, also we heard on tape him trying to subvert an election. Professor, we got to hit a break, but thank you so much. I can't believe Donald Trump is scaring me more than ever. Everyone follow Corey yeah. at Brett Schneider C. And by the way, you know Donald Trump's uh, spy movie, the British spy movie about him? Wanker, yes. traitor, troller, lie. There, there's my joke. <laughs> I remembered it. I'd like thank, that. <laughs> thank you, Corey. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Progress. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back. The Sirius XM Senate Republicans are still insisting that the bank deregulation bill 
Donald Trump signed into law and bragged about five years ago has nothing to do with the recent bank failures. They're still saying that all the deregulation Trump did that allowed these banks to not be regulated and then crash has nothing to do with what Trump did. They are blaming the regulators for not spotting problems on balance sheets at Silicon Valley Bank in California and Signature Bank here in New York. And of course, they're blaming it because the banks are woke. They are saying that these white-owned, overwhelmingly white banks failed because they weren't racist enough. They were too preoccupied with trying to not be overwhelmingly white. And I guess they were so busy doing that, going to out and begging non-white people to come work there at the bank, because that's what banks do, that that's why they collapsed and there's nothing else to see behind the curtain. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. But people who want to believe it are choosing to believe it. I want to bring in Dr. Jason Nichols, award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland College Park. You uh, may have seen or read Dr. Nichols in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, Fox News, NBC News, The Hill, and more. You've seen him on Al Jazeera English, Newsmax, MSNBC, you name it. Dr. Jason, missed you last week. It's so good to have you back, sir. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me again. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. You listen, it's only when we have some riffraff that we have to like reschedule our normal things. And I personally, I, I, it's all Chris is doing. I don't respect it. And uh, I'm sorry that we didn't have you with us. But it's so good to see you. And I've been dying to talk with you about this bank failure. You know, I seem to remember that when all the banks were failing back in 2008, nobody was saying they were failing uh, because they were too diverse. <laughs> they were right. overwhelmingly white and they failed. And now... Silicon Valley Bank, which I believe has one African-American on their board and one woman on their board, apparently that's too much. And that's the reason Republicans are drifting to. Yeah, you know, it's it's really funny. I, I always, I mean, my statement to, to the public is they really think you're stupid. Like, <laughs> they really, like, this should be insulting. But again, woke has become the buzzword, even though they can't define it. They don't know what it means. And again, they're, they're leaning on stuff. And, and, you know, what happened at SVB and Signature, particularly SVB, is pretty clear, you know. And honestly, I don't think the Fed is upset about this. I think the Fed wants everybody to kind of get a little panicky and they want, you know, unemployment to yeah. go up. They, they want these kinds of things. So the Fed started yeah. raising rates. You and by know, the way, that, that is a point that is a point that people on both the left and the right have made. But go on, please. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's basically how I feel. And, and yeah, me too. You know, they raised rates and SVB had a lot of their assets in uh, in bonds and 10 year, know 10 year bonds. They couldn't touch because they wanted more money when they cashed in. So instead of having money on hand, they poured the money into 10 year bonds right. and then they came up broke. Right. That's the thing. They didn't have they didn't have any cash, you know, uh, on hand. And, you know, again, it started to reverberate through uh, Silicon Valley and everybody's favorite political donor, Peter Thiel, started taking all his money out of SVB and telling other people to take their money out of SVB. And any company that was associated with him started taking their money out of SVB. That's right. And then they, they didn't have any, you know, they, they were not equipped to deal with that in a very short time and they failed. But, you know, because they, you know, put a pride flag on their, <laughs> on their website or something, people are saying it's because they were so quote unquote woke. It's, it's, so woke. 
so ridiculous. I, I can tell you, there's one industry that does not care. It is it is the finance industry. Uh, <laughs> now they don't care. They they care about green and you know a little bit about white, but mostly about green. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I mean, all of this stuff about it being woke. I mean, they they were grasping at straws. Yeah. Uh, in order to tie this in, because they realize they are getting traction with this whole battling wokeness. They 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 are actually there are people out there who watch enough, you know, uh, conservative TV and listen to enough conservative conservative talk radio um, and read enough, you know, conservative, Preach. you know, rags out there and you know they they're moved by anything that sounds like it's quote-unquote woke and you know this there's that smug little meatball down there in florida he's a guy who's made a career off of it like he's literally you and i have talked about the fact that the guy has no charisma you know he has you know at least donald trump you got to say the guy is donald trump is an entertainer you he can know get a I mean? room. He can get a room on its feet. He can get a room going. Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. If, if Donald Trump weren't a politician, had he not gotten into politics, I would look at him like I, I think I said this. I, I would look at him like I look at Don Rickles, like you know, just yeah. like a funny old racist guy, you yeah. know. But you know, he unfortunately is putting. Uh, you know, he has the the power of the federal government. He had the power of the federal government behind him, uh, which made him a very dangerous racist guy. That's right. And, uh, and you he's know, but otherwise, to get it back. yeah, he's trying to get it back. And I don't think he will, but it's not inconceivable. I didn't think he would in 2016 either. So, correct, Amundo. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about that because, you know, first off, the only thing more ridiculous than woke banks, I would have to say, are woke train companies. And we've heard that one as well. Woke now means anything I don't like. But I'm fascinated by this word because the whole weaponization of the word woke, it's a backlash to anti-racism, right? That was a word that anti-racists used to, to, to describe the process of becoming aware of institutionalized systemic racism that's all around us. And, and it's about empathy and being more awake to the reality of things. Now it's a term racists use to smear well, not just anti-racism, but to smear anything they don't like. You don't like women. You don't like feminists. I don't like all this woke stuff. You don't like trans people or gay people. I don't like all this woke st- It has now become an umbrella slur that's sort of like a secret code word. It's a little winky wink people use, pretty much meaning anything I don't like is woke. I, I saw that you retweeted the the picture of the author who wrote a book about it and couldn't define it. I think that's the way to go. I think that everyone who tries to spread this little dog whistle needs to be asked how do you define woke and one thing i like to ask them doctor is what's the opposite of woke that's a really good one right yeah i mean that that, that's a question i always ask people who who say that they're against anti-racism and i'm like Mm -hmm. if you're not anti-racist what are you yeah they're they're anti-anti-fascism right they hate anti-fascism so it's not that much of a leap Right. You know, it's it's really ridiculous. I mean, the word woke actually started uh, for the most part um, in the 1970s with a playwright who, you know, a black playwright uh, started using the word woke, you know, of course, to indicate awareness to injustices seen and unseen. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it started to gain popularity again. It's always been around since the 70s, but it, you know, it regained popularity. And one of the things that we've seen conservatives do is they redefine things for their own purposes. So, for example, whether it's woke, whether it's words like Karen, you know, yes, like yes. they redefine it to make it like some liberal white woman, you know, yes. and that's not what it meant. Or, um, you know, even, you know, I, I talk about this in some of my classes. This is this is a tactic that's oftentimes used by colonizers. I mean, when you look, for example, at things that you should be proud of or things that you've created or things that you've invented, it shows the ultimate disrespect to take it and then redefine it. So, for example, you know, black people, we, of course, you know, African-Americans in the United States, we do not know, you know, we're a hodgepodge, we're a hybridized group that is not tied to one African culture, right? So Absolutely. we don't, we can't say, you know, this is my family's, you know, background in Africa. Mm -hmm. So we created, so we didn't have our names, you know, so we started creating our own naming patterns. So that's where you get, you know, Takesha or Lakeisha or, you know, Tamika or think names like that. And what do they do? They, instead of saying, wow, that's really beautiful. You created your own culture. You created your own naming patterns. They try to make you ashamed of it. So they, yeah. they tell you. Oh, Shamika, Tamika. Oh, that's terrible. You know, uh, all the that's Shaniqua right. jokes, you know, yeah. they take anything black people create and tell you to be ashamed of it. <laughs> anything yeah. you do that's good, they tell you to be ashamed of it. And then when you create terms like even even the the academic term, when I was like, you know, whenever I debate with people and I'm like, well, you're using critical race theory. What is critical race theory? And then <laughs> they either can't define it. Yeah. Or they say, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a catch all, you know, but yeah. I'm like, so if I say, you know, say Nazis, Ku Klux Klan, white nationalist terrorists, and I just call it MAGA, let's just call it MAGA. It's an umbrella term. Yeah, it's an umbrella term. You know, who cares what it actually means? That's what I'm going to say it means. They it's would have they, vote. they would have a cow. And it just is upsetting that people on the left accept it. And you have the the Joe Scarboroughs of the world and others who get up there and I, I'm not trying to burn bridges or anything with anybody. But, you know, these people who go out there and they're like, well, you know, the left needs to stop being so woke. And oh. I'm like, I hope you like my my Joe Scarborough. Uh, I know, love it. It's actually eerie. It's like he's right here squinting at me. <laughs> right. Well, first of all, the one thing that annoys me about Joe is that he interrupts Mika so much it's so frustrating i'm like would you let that woman talk how is she going to learn her place doctor honestly how is she going to learn her place if, if joe doesn't correct her now and then i mean exactly ooh, yeah i i know exactly what you mean i watch it too uh you, you know let me ask you though we got to point out in discussing about this bank there were 17 democrats in the senate who went along with donald trump in stripping Absolutely. dodd frank protections so this is a bipartisan scandal here Absolutely. And, and the funny thing is, you know, Republicans are pushing out the fact that Barney Frank, you know, said, well, it wasn't Dodd Frank. Dodd Frank wouldn't have protected it, even though he was he was on the board at Signature Bank. But he didn't write a lot of the bank protections. That was Elizabeth Warren. 
<laughs> and Elizabeth Warren has been very clear about the fact that those bank protections would have saved SVB and would have saved Signature Bank. And it's really important that we hold these people's feet to the fire, including the Democrats, including those 17 Democrats. And, and I think it's 50 in total, if you include the people in the House, you know, that we hold them accountable for, you know, their votes. All of a sudden, you know, Bernie warned everybody. Bernie said, our memory is too short here. It was mm-hmm. only 10 years ago that things collapsed. Are we right. really going to do this? And people said, yes, they got rid of Dodd-Frank and now you've got banks collapsing and they're grasping at straws to figure out why. And they're saying, oh, it must be wokeness. I mean, it, it's so absurd, uh, John, that it's it's just ridiculous. Well, but also you've made a very good point. And, you know, you're you're becoming my oracle more and more, Dr. Nichols, because <laughs> Uh, no, no, you were the one who who convinced me that Tim Scott will probably be the VP nominee for either Trump or DeSantis, and that keeps me up at night. But you've also now been saying that the biggest threat to Trump is no longer DeSantis, that it's Glenn Youngkin. Yeah. I read you tweeted that, and the more I've thought about it, the more I'm staying up at night, because Glenn Youngkin has been smart enough to not reveal himself to be a racist nothing burger with no charisma the way DeSantis has been trying to for the last six months. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's got I think he he does have certainly he's not as smug and, you know, he doesn't come across the same way as DeSantis. I think he he actually does come across in a way that um, people who call themselves moderates could embrace and could embrace over someone like Joe Biden. Uh, We've been convinced that the world is collapsing under Joe Biden when actually a lot of things are pretty strong, you know, right now to, to be. 100% 100% honest. Of course, you know, we still have a little lingering inflation and, and, and other issues. But Joe Biden, as I said, has been a decent president, a very, yeah. I would say, even better than decent president. I would um, agree with you. You know, so uh, but we've been convinced that everything is terrible. Everything is falling apart. The world is is collapsing. It's all Joe Biden's fault. Yeah. And I think someone like Glenn Youngkin, who you know, he comes in with this kind of, hey, let's find a, a, a middle ground and a solution. Like, so, for example, he gets an <laughs> asked a question yeah. by this trans kid yeah, uh, in Virginia and says, you know, so you think I shouldn't be able to use a bathroom? And so he says, you know, what we need is more bathrooms in schools. So what we'll do is we'll put more gender neutral bathrooms so everyone can choose which bathroom they want to use. And you know, the only thing I could hear was Glenn Youngkin, maybe in the 1950s. And then him saying, you know, I know there's the white bathroom and there's the colored bathroom. Right. But here, I've got a solution. Yeah. Why don't we just have more more bathrooms and we'll just have a race neutral bathroom. And so white people that want to use the white bathroom, they can use the white bathroom. And then the colored people, they can't use the white bathroom, but they can use the colored bathroom. And then we'll have some race neutral bathrooms for all you libs out there. <laughs> That's like literally what I'm hearing here, you know? So That's so funny because I mean, what I what I heard when he, what I heard when he said that was I have to make this question go away and not come off as the mean 
man to children, marginalized minority trans children with no power. I can't be seen as being a bully to them. So I'm going to put out this line of bullshit about having a third bathroom, a gender neutral bathroom which I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their taxes. I'm never going to implement a policy. I'm never going to call for it. I'm going to say it here on this stage to get out of this awkward moment. And then I see Ron DeSantis using that against him in a campaign ad for not being anti-trans enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I think, honestly, that's why I'm saying Glenn Youngkin has a chance because Glenn Youngkin was able to wiggle out of that situation. Ron DeSantis would not have. He would have been mean to that kid. You're right. You know I mean? Well, that's he would strength. Have been, he would have been angry, you know, um, yeah. to that kid. Um, Donald Trump probably would have told a lie or some of some sort. But, you know, I, I really think that some we've I've never seen. This is another thing I've never seen. And I've seen several debates with Ron DeSantis and I haven't seen him win one. I know it's he, true. He, he didn't beat Charlie Crist. He certainly didn't beat Andrew Gillum. Like, the guy doesn't win, so he, I don't yeah, think he but, has... You know, I saw, I saw Hillary Clinton kick Donald Trump's ass in three debates, and uh, she got the most votes, but he still got the job. So I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. Okay, let, let me ask you about these these Republicans in Iowa. I mean, it seems like Iowa's becoming a microcosm of everything. Critical race theory and beat up on trans kids and what, calling everything woke. What 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 is What is going on in Iowa? Well, what they have to run on, they think, are cultural issues. They think this whole thing of, you know, uh, you know, if you remember the old episodes of The Simpsons where the lady would always be like, well, somebody think of the children. Like, they, <laughs> they think they can, you know, they can run on that. Um, yeah. Uh, because, again, first of all, I think they're all they're all going to lose to Trump because they're all running scared of Trump. They won't mention True. his name. Uh, They won't say anything bad about him. They're so scared of the Trump base. And the interesting thing about that is Trump won by being unafraid to talk bad about everybody, including veterans. He was willing to go after and say, hey, I don't like guys who get captured. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, attacking POWs. And and by the way, uh, the conservatives rewarded him for that. That's how much they care about our vets. But see, that that's my point is there has to like you have to come across tough and brash and not afraid of your own audience. And these people are running scared. And if you're running scared, you won't beat Donald Trump. You know, like people want somebody that they think has chutzpah and, you know, you're going to get hit. But if you don't have tough enough skin and then people will never come around to you and say you're the next up, you're the next person up. And so I think they're all doing this kind of for show. Uh, I think, think again, I think Tim Scott's got got a a future in this. I just Mm -hmm. saw an article. I I didn't click on it, but the Washington Post is saying, you know, that if, you know, the GOP is sane, then they'll elect Tim Scott or something like that. Um, And I think (laughs) that kind of image, like he is the 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 same person in the room. Uh, the thinker in the room. I think that's going to help him. Uh, You know, Donald Trump will take someone like him. And I think he's ambitious enough to run with Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Glenn Young. You're right. You've completely convinced me. Do you think um, that Donald Trump is going to benefit 
from potential indictments and all these scandals. I mean, he already seems ready to fundraise off of it. And since playing victim is already the secret to his appeal for a certain kind of uh, middle class Caucasian, I, 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 I kind of feel like he's going to use it in every way he can and profit off of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he knows that these indictments are coming down the line. Um, not to mention the civil cases, the the E. Jean Carrolls and all of that. He yep. knows all of that is coming, that the, the walls are closing in in that way. But again, he's going to fundraise off of it. He's going to try and get his his base fired up. And he's saying, you know, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you, which doesn't make any sense because you're not getting no. indicted. He is. Exactly. But, Again, he'll take your little money while you're complaining about inflation and while you're complaining that you can't fill up your truck. He'll still take your money and you're not going to get revenge. Yeah, exactly. it's all victimhood and revenge, and those things sell really well. Dr. Nichols, before I, I, I let you go and, and have a night, it's so nice that you join us and stay up this late. Let me ask you uh, for your take. I was discussing with Professor Corey Brettschneider from Brown University in the last hour about what we're seeing in Texas, where they have been judge shopping and finally found a right-wing anti-abortion kook that Donald Trump turned into a judge and are now settled in Amarillo to file their case to try to have a judge, for the first time in history, throw out the approval the FDA gave of a drug. Ordinarily, I would laugh at this, but with the current Supreme Court we have, anything's in play, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's um, women's reproductive rights are under serious assault and they think if they can kind of run away from this issue, this is something they're not talking about in Iowa, I promise you. Oh, <laughs> you know, I know. They're, not... they're avoiding abortion so much. Right. But at the same time, if you look in South Carolina, you know, some Republicans are trying to say that so a woman that has an abortion should be eligible for the death penalty. Well, they're so, pro-life, doctor. They're so pro-life, they'll kill people. That's that's right. where they're at now in South Carolina. Exactly. So, you know, and, and you've got these women who some women who literally had wanted pregnancies. They wanted to have these pregnancies. They had complications and they wanted to terminate them because they had serious complications. And they're not able to get this this medication. They're not able to get the a procedure done. They're talking about putting doctors in jail. You know, all the times I remember, you know, there was uh, a whole lot of like making fun of women. Yeah. These women who came out in the Handmaid's Tale outfits to protest yes. this. And people yeah. on the right were like, oh, look at this overreaction. And now we're talking about giving women the death penalty. Yeah. You know, like that's an actual conversation. And, you you know, you can go judge shopping and just file a case wherever you want, wherever you have yep. a friendly judge, just like they do in Florida, you know, with with the Donald Trump judge that, you know, ordered the special counsel and then not a special counsel. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, the thoroughly underqualified woman who became a judge there who's 41 <laughs> and then now they go judge shopping for this other individual who's you know clearly going to give them what they want and it will go to the to the you know it could end up in the supreme court and if it goes there we already know how they feel about abortion we already know 
But like we know that they were lying when they said that they wanted to turn it over to the states. When you're trying to ban mifeprestone in all 50 states, you're trying to ban legal abortion in all 50 states. And and my favorite thing about the South Carolina bill is, you know, let's go back to the Bible. Jesus against the death penalty more than once stopped an execution, said only sinless people can carry out executions, overturned eye for an eye and Sermon on the Mount. But he never mentioned abortion. It's like they're literally committed to doing the opposite of what Jesus taught because they love Jesus so much, doctor. That's South Carolina. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we can we can certainly spend all night talking about the the hypocrisy that you're going to find everywhere. To be honest, there's there's hypocrisy on the left, too. But well, of course, not like we're seeing uh, in today's modern GOP. You know, I used to be one of those, you know, kind of both sides guys. But yeah, it's impossible to do that anymore. It's it's just this GOP is so particularly bad. I mean, they were they were bad when they were pro war. Uh, as well, but yeah. there were lots of Democrats who were pro-war as well. But oh, now yeah. there's there's a real clear divide that we just can't ignore. Yeah, I'm I, I'm happy to call out Democrats for their failures and hypocrisies all day, but it would take me all month to call out Republicans for their hypocrisies, and you know I have no problem doing either. Doctor Jason Nichols, we are always so blessed whenever you will join us. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with your work? So uh, first, you can always uh, check out my podcast, which is the Working Class Elites podcast. Check that out. We've got some new episodes. We're going to keep bringing uh, exciting guests and exciting ideas on that podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jason Nichols. That's at D-R-J-A-S-O-N-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. And you can, of course, always listen to me here, hopefully, on Thursdays <laughs> on TME with John Fugelson. As long as you and are willing to, to put Chris up with us. Yeah. Right. As yeah. long as you can handle our trifling ways, we're so delighted to have you, Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Jason Nichols, follow him on all the socials, and we will see you next Thursday, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank John. Thank you. We got to hit a quick break. We will be right back and taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific at 866-997-4748. This is progress. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit, want to get to your calls uh, really quick. Kamala Harris was um, on Colbert last night, and she went after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis after he referred to Russia's war in Ukraine as not one of America's many vital national interests. Here she is offering her take on what Ron DeSantis's comments on Ukraine would mean to other nations were he to become president. As vice president, I have now met with over 100 world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, chancellors and kings. And when you have had the experience of meeting and, and understanding the significance, again, of international rules and norms and the importance of the United States of America standing firm and clear about the significance of sovereignty and territorial integrity, the significance of standing firm against any nation that would try to take by force another nation. If you really understand the issues, you probably would not make statements like that. 
<laughs> suggesting that perhaps he doesn't understand the issues. You know, it's crazy, but maybe put her on TV saying shit like that more. I don't know. Try it out. Let's go back to the phones. We are at 866-997-4748. Kat is calling from the great city of Dallas. Hey, Kat. Hey, John. I don't want to spend too much of your time on the phone. I know you got a lot of people waiting. So I want okay. to cover I want to cover two issues at the same exact time with one with one thing. Okay. Okay, there's there's this one thing about paddling in schools. Mm-hmm. You know, and what have you. And I I want to embrace this woke thing okay woke is all about being knowledgeable about what the heck you know yes you know black people black people built this country yes it's the truth and chinese built the railroad yes white people built this country too but the white people had a choice in the matter you know what i'm saying absolutely now what people need to understand woke is not about anything bad it's about looking at the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew. Yeah. And knowing what's doing, doing, doing the right thing. I couldn't agree with you I'm more, woke. but to right-wing, to, right-wing people, to right-wing people looking at the Beatitudes and the book of Matthew is bad. I'm woke and I'm proud. I don't give a right give up flying fiddle, whatever, what they think. When yes. I was a little kid, when I was six years old, my father, and I don't want to make this about me, so forgive that, okay? Mm-hmm. My father, who, who used to be a Hells Angel biker, okay? I okay. asked him, I asked him a long time ago, I asked him why it is that the Puerto Rican children were allowed to get on the bus with me, but the black people were not. This was back in the 70s. We had segregation oh. even back then. Okay. I was chased out of the house by him, with the 337 Magnum, okay? Now, it's important to understand, okay, that abuse exists, okay? And right. all these people like Randy Randelson okay. want to bring all that back. I have been in four foster homes. Wow. And in those four foster homes, I was not treated well, okay? I didn't have a life. I understand. I didn't have things. I, I was it. used as labor. I barely ate. Okay? I understand. People need to understand. People need to understand that all these people are trying to roll back things. They're trying to roll back the way things are, and we need to be aware of that. I'm not complaining about my time. This is not about me. I survived a lot of stuff. My sister is not alive. She should be. What happened to your sister, Kat? It's okay. We don't a lot of stuff. Go ahead. We don't need to talk about this, my friend. It's totally okay. Right. It's totally okay. Be aware. I... Be aware that all the all these people that want to bring back all these things are trying to roll back things that are wrong. I mean, I don't understand. I, I, like, here, here's where I come from on this cat. I don't understand how so many people are okay with their public schools or private schools where someone who's not you is allowed to beat your child. 
um, in the 2017 to 2018 school year, 70,000 public school kids, uh, I read, received corporal punishment in, in this country. And I... I've always found it kind of disgusting. I know there's a lot of people who will say, we got to bring paddling back, we got to bring paddling back. But you know what? Any kid who's getting beaten in school is probably a kid who's getting beaten at home. And the kids they'll end up paddling are going to wind up beating kids themselves down the road. And, and you know, what about the kids with disabilities? They want to paddle them too? I think schools should be a safe exactly. place. And you can discipline a Jonah, child without hitting for fuck's sake. John, I want to tell you about one guy. and I know you've got limited time. Yeah, I do. When I was a lot younger, there was a kid that was not performing up to standards, okay, for, for what we were doing. Okay. I used to live in, in Florida, and the kid was, we called him JR, and he was kind of a, kind of a rebel. We okay, were we, doing... I, I give you about we 25 reg- seconds, Cat. I've got to wrap it up. I'm sorry. We we were doing crab trap fishing, and because he wasn't doing good enough work, he was left on this marker, this 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 uh, this fifteen mile marker, this, these poles, mm-hmm. and he was left there all day because he wasn't performing up the spec. Oh, he humiliation! Doing a good enough yeah. job. Yeah, and. You, you get my point? I These get your point. These people want to bring back punishments like that. This guy was brought back by the Marine Patrol, mm. nearly half dead, and somehow the person that did what he did got away with it. Of this course, Cat. We, we, Republican... we got to hit our break. I'm sorry, but I invite you to call in more. And let me just leave you with this, Cat. My favorite people are people who had painful, difficult childhoods and grew up not being bullies, not being abusive themselves, but instead turning that pain into love and caring about others. You inspire me, and I thank you for calling us. Call anytime, and thank you for sharing about your experience. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fugel saying peace. Peace.